Arvazine Giddens, Robert Bennett, Brad Ferguson, Mac Roark, Andrew Kester, David Crutchley, Freddie Cardoza, Leonard Allen, Mike and Mary Reddick, Jerry Lemons, Donnie Conger, Jack Euler. Y'all don't know who any of those people are. But in my life, that is a list of people who have impacted me for the kingdom in ways that make me emotional just reading the list. They're the people that God sent in and out of my life that deeply affected me and helped me to see different parts of who God is. Now, these were people that I interacted with directly, not just authors of books or anything. Some have gone on to be with the Lord. Some are still alive. Some may be surprised to hear their name in the sermon because they're going to watch it, and they didn't know. The point is that God has called all of us to be a part of the body of Christ. And the body works not parts in isolation, but we are connected to each other. And we're connected in deeper ways than we realize. And the impact that you can have on others by just being the person God called you to be, not through some monumental, you know, Elijah before the priest of Baal type moment, but this just being faithful and loving somebody and helping them through a difficult time or, or welcoming them and, and inviting them into your home for lunch on a day that they were feeling lonely and you didn't even know it. God just put it on your heart. Hey, invite them over. And you're like, okay, we're having hot dogs. You want to come eat? And, you know, they're like, yes, I would love to. This is how God works. And as we continue our series, The Treasures of Faith, Paul takes a moment to start talking about some of the other people that are affecting the lives of others through the ministry of the gospel. And he's sending them to Corinth to help the Corinthians follow through on the offering and the ministry that they've committed themselves to. Paul is sending faithful men to them to help minister to them and encourage them through the process. And if there was ever one of the things that really is one of the treasures of the faith, it is being a part of the body of Christ. And I think we forget that. I know we forget it. That God has called us to be family. Amen? And I mean family. Now, look, families fight, right? Families disagree. Families also make up and stick by each other because that's what we're called to do. And we see that on display in, in Corinth. You know, they had a dust-up. Paul had to write them letters that he didn't want to have to write. He had to correct them. Had, and yet, in the end, what do we see? Paul was bragging on them to other people. And we're going to see that again. Because they had his heart. He loved them. And these fellow ministers of his also loved them dearly. Never underestimate the power of loving someone by the Spirit of God and just loving them for who they are can have in a life. And so look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 16 through 24. And it says, But thanks be to God 
who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. With him we are sending the brother who was famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And with them, we are sending our brother, whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. So yeah, there's a little bit of a bigger picture. Uh, Paul is sending these people on probably to add a little bit of social pressure too that you know they said they're going to give this offering. So he's sending kind of these pillars uh, of the faith at this time to go and kind of say coax them forward in their obedience and their faith. But at the same time, what does he say? He says, look, these people love you. And, and they're here and they're coming of their own accord. And Titus, he's, you know, he's got the same heart for you that I do. Now, why would Paul send like this? Is it that he has no faith that the Corinthians will do this? No, that's not it at all. He's sending them because he knows a simple truth is that we do not grow alone. We don't. We may be able to memorize Scripture and study it in our own time, but I, everybody in here who has significantly grown in Christ in your life, and you know it, you're, you, know, you were once this way, and now you know, you can point back to people that helped you along the way, right? That they, they helped show you. And, and it's not that they had all the answers, okay? When I say we, we got to minister to each other, it doesn't mean that any one person was like Jesus and had every answer that you ever needed. It's that they, they gave you a nudge. They showed something to you. They treated you a certain way that revealed God's grace in a new way. And it's something that just happens over and over and over. We just keep encountering each other if you will, through Christ, and something happens. God guides us. He changes us. And it's something that we just couldn't do alone. How many of you in here have ever had, uh, say you've competed in sports or, or you're a musician or, or an artist of some kind, and you had somebody push you harder than you wanted to be pushed, but they got something out of you that you didn't know was there? How many of you, let's just be honest, how many of you pushed back against that initially? How many of you even complained inside? They, you're just being mean. They don't understand. This is all, I'm just a person. I can't do it. And, you know, and yet, what did they do? They kept pushing, and then it happened. And you, you grew. You got better. You improved. And you look back, and you're like, thank you. <laughs> because they... They saw something in you and they believed in you in a manner that you didn't even believe in yourself. And that's what Paul has done with the Corinthian church. He looks at them and he says, I know y'all got it. We've, we've had our struggles, but I know who you are. 
and, and, I, and he brags about them to everybody that he talks. He's like, you've got to pay attention to the Corinthian church. They are growing. But he knows they can't just do it alone. And now I want you to think of this. Every single command Jesus, Jesus gives us and the New Testament gives us basically requires a faith community to be fulfilled. Have you ever thought about that? What are the, the basic commands? I mean, if we're going to get down to kind of the basics of New Testament theology, that after we've believed in Jesus Christ, which nobody can do for you, as we saw today with, with baptism, I mean, you have to believe in Jesus. You have to do that yourself. Nobody can do it for you. You have to accept Jesus Christ for yourself. But after that, serving God in his kingdom, everything he tells us to do involves community. It involves the church. It involves the believers around you. It involves people. In fact, listen to this. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Can't fulfill that in isolation. Can't love other people as Jesus loved you if you're not around other people. Listen to Colossians 3.13. Bearing with one another. How many can say an amen right there? Like he knows, Paul knows. He's like, look, put up with each other, okay? You're going to annoy each other at times. It's going to happen. He says, bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Can't forgive people if we're not in community with them. Can't be offended by people if we're not in community with them. Don't have opportunity to forgive. We have to have each other. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Can't build people up in the faith if you're not around them, if you're not committed to being in relationship with them. Hebrews 10.24, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Again, community necessary. If we're going to honor God, we have to fulfill these commandments in community and be committed to other people and then galatians 6 2 bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of christ do you get the picture that is everything that god is calling us to be as christians it 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 turns into how we relate to other people like everything jesus does at some point turns us towards other people, which when we look in the Old Testament, what were the two greatest commandments that Jesus himself affirmed? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Mature Christianity eventually comes to a point where the love of God and love of neighbor become inseparable from each other. I I really believe when we get saved, we kind of see them, and when we're immature in the faith, we see them as two separate things to work on. Love of God, love of neighbor. And it's like, okay, I'm more, I, I, you know, I kind of got, how many have ever thought this? I kind of got the love of God thing down, but I'm not sure about my neighbor yet. I just don't know that I can do that. We well, see the, the way God does this is he's basically, look, if you, if you love him, you're going to love them. You, you can't help it. Love of God turns us into a people that loves our neighbor. And, and there, is, there eventually comes a point that we, we cannot separate those two. The love of God won't let us hate our neighbor. It forces us to love our neighbor, but not force in the worldly sense. It's just this idea that I see 
the value and the worth in a person. I see that they're created in the image of God. And so I value them. Because I value God, I value you. Now, that doesn't mean that I may agree with everything that you do or say. We've got this crazy notion in the world today that loving somebody means we have to affirm any and every bad behavior there is. And that's just not true. Read 1 Corinthians and you see Paul loves the Corinthians, but you know what? He doesn't approve of a whole lot of stuff they were doing, and he corrects them on it and tells them, you've got to stop this. And it, it threatened their relationship, but by the time you get to 2 Corinthians, you see like, hey, they worked it out. And he still loves them, and, and they are still connected. And, and so, listen again to what Paul says. Now that we know that we don't grow alone, what do he say? He says, but thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you, community. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. With him we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. In verse 22, and with them we are sending our brother whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. So Paul is sending people along, but only Titus is named. I find that interesting. He just says the brother who's famous for preaching the gospel. I guess they knew who it was, but he doesn't say his name. And then he says, I'm also sending somebody else that's really earnest and he's proven himself over and over. But he doesn't name him. Why do you think that is? Why? Because their reputation precedes them. And that's all that really matters right here. It's not about their name. It's not about recognizing you know, them personally. It's about recognizing the impact that they're having on the kingdom. This one is preaching the gospel so faithfully that people all over are talking about it. So he's like, hey, he's serving God in this way. The other is very earnest and has been tried and true and has been proven and tested over and over again. And Paul's like, this is what you need to know about him, is that he is steadfast. You see, it's not about their ego. It's about their connection and contribution to the body of Christ. And so at the moment when Paul is asking the Corinthians to step out in faith, and he is, this offering that he's asking, he's asking them to sacrifice, he's asking them to follow through on something and, and really be faithful. At the moment he's asking that, what does he do? He sends mature leaders of faith to help them and to guide them through the process. To strengthen their faith, to bear them up, to show them, hey, we're, we, we are the body of Christ. You're not isolated in this obedience this is happening everywhere. This is what the brotherhood, this is what the family of God is doing, and, and we want you to be a part of it. And so he sends these people to, to help, and that's what healthy Christianity does for and with people. We grow together. Which means as I grow in Christ, there's a part of me, certainly as a pastor, that I want to see you grow in Christ. But that shouldn't just be me as the pastor. That should be what our church does, is that as I learn, I want to share that same grace with somebody else. I want to pay it forward, if you will. I want to help others and be concerned about their well-being in Christ, not just my own. And when we, you know, this kind of becomes a, a ripple effect throughout the church of us helping each other and lifting each other and bearing one another's burdens and encouraging each other. What do you think God does? He shows up in the middle of that. And he does something 
amazing. He changes us. And he changes us in ways that we didn't even see coming. And he does it because God works through his body, the church. This is something that we all, I mean, we just got to lock this away, okay? God works through the church. Could he work other ways? Absolutely. Does he work other ways sometimes? Yeah, but you know what? He's not ever going to abandon working through his, his church. Church is, the body of Christ is plan A for God. And he's not going to step away from that, ever. And so his choice for evangelism in the world, could God light up the sky and and do something that would draw all kinds of people and get their attention and be like, hey, I'm here, yeah. I mean, he could. But what has he chosen to do? You Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And know that I am with you to the very end of the age. That's how God chose to do this. And so where he could supernaturally do something spectacular, he's chosen in his wisdom what would obvi- is obviously the better path because God has chosen to do it, to use people to reach people. Could God, if, you know, we could pray and God could just immediately solve every one of our problems, right? I mean, he could if he wanted to. And yet, what has he chosen to do? Hey, go talk to this person. He's chosen to get us to talk to each other and and to help each other, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You see, here's the thing about God. God's not about convenience. And he kind of likes to make things messy occasionally. He really does. Relationships are messy, right? I mean, it just is. It's not easy. We're all broken people, and we all bring some kind of weird agenda to things sometimes, and we make mistakes, and we have to bear with one another and forgive each other, and we got to go through this process over and over in life, and yet God is like, yep, and that's still how I'm doing it. I'm not changing it. God, couldn't you just fix this one? No, not like that. You know what? Why don't you uh, go minister to this person and talk to them and you know what, you're going to end up ministering to each other and help each other through this problem. But God, that, that requires vulnerability on my part, and I, just, I, don't, I don't know if I can trust him. You know what, it's okay, just go do it. You see, God works through his church. And so look again in verse 18. We are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel, and not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered, administered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. Now, there's a key phrase in there and that he says that this guy that is going with them has been appointed by the churches. What does that mean? It means that he is saying the church itself has signed off on this guy's faithfulness and his mission in what he's doing. Now, is that important? It should be. Paul's saying, hey, Corinth, this guy that's coming to you, the other churches all kind of agree that he's, he's up to the task here. You can trust him. And you see, within the church, there's kind of this regulative principle at work. And it's not that anybody has, I'm not talking about some hierarchical authority or, or anything like that, but there's just kind of a regulative principle within the body of Christ. You know, if I got up here and started teaching something that was, you know, way out in left field, heretical, 
I guarantee there are many of you in here that would have a problem with it, and you would contact me and be like, hey, um, that was weird. What do you mean by that? And, and you know what? You rightfully should. Because that's what I mean by this regulative principle of we kind of hold each other accountable and encourage each other forward at the same time. And so Paul's saying, look, the church at large is kind of at work here in this offering. This isn't just about Paul and Titus and, and, and them taking up an offering. This is about the body of Christ functioning at a level that's kind of keeping everything going. And, and so this is what I find interesting is that the true church of Jesus Christ will have consensus on the important things, Okay. And it doesn't matter what denomination, it doesn't matter that, the core beliefs will be the same and the goal will be the same. What are the core beliefs? There will be one true God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died on the cross for the sins of mankind, was resurrected, and through faith in him, were forgiven of our sins that separated us from God. Amen? If, if they are a Christian church, if they are a genuinely Christian church, that doctrine you will find throughout no matter it does it a big church, contemporary church, traditional church, whatever. City church, rural church, doesn't matter. Baptist, Methodist, Episcopal, it doesn't matter. If they are following Christ, you will see this regulative principle of here is the truth that we try to adhere to. Now, are there differences in how we do it? Yeah. You know, some preachers wear robes and stuff. We don't. Does it matter? No. Doesn't matter one bit. If their faith tradition wants to do that and they think it adds something, hey, go for it. That's fine. So long as you're not changing the core doctrine, then you know what? It really doesn't matter. And so what Paul says, because we believe these core doctrines that aren't going to change, there is a regulative principle in that that any time a church or a body starts to get outside of it, what happens? The rest of the church is like, whoa, 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 that's, uh-uh, that's a big no. And does any one person have to lead the charge? No. It, it typically just kind of happens, right? We've all seen that happen before. It's just kind of like everybody starts to just kind of move, and they're like, hey, this is wrong. Why? Because the Spirit of God works through His church. And it doesn't require some hierarchy of structure or, or being to make this happen because we all have the same Spirit. God's Spirit comes to live within us when we are saved. And so He's able to work in all of us at the same time. And so He kind of keeps us in line, if you will, through the church. And it's not that the church has some, you know, kind of crazy authority that they just get to lord over people. It's just God working through His people. And and so what does Paul say In, in verse 21? He says, For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. You see, he says, we're bringing these people along. The church has signed off on it because we want to make sure we're above board. We want to make sure everything that we're doing is honorable, that it, that it has the right look, the right feel. And they're not living according to the fear of man, but they are wanting to make sure that nobody accuses, you know, Paul of, hey, you're, that's a lot of money you're taking up there. Are you sure you're not just spending it on yourself? He says, look, I got this guy and I got this guy. I mean, he's going down the checklist of, Here's all the levels of accountability that's going on with this right now. And the other churches are all aware of this. So it's it's okay. He's using the authority of God's church to bring, shall we say, weight 
to the ministry that he's doing. And so we then have to avoid what I'm going to call the arrogance of thinking we don't need others in our spiritual walk. We all do. We all need them. We all need that interaction, that fellowship, that encouragement, that accountability. We all need it in our lives. And so when people say, well, you don't have to be a Christian and, and, you know, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. No, that is true. You can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and believe he died for you and be saved and not go to church. What you can't do is effectively serve him and not go to church. And I mean that. You cannot effectively walk with God and serve Him in the manner that He wants you to serve that will bring glory to Him and help minister to other people. You can't do it in isolation. And so this is why I say, you know, find a a church, find a small group, get plugged in because that's where the ministry is really going to happen. I've heard one pastor put it like this, and I kind of agree with it is that circles are greater than rows. See, here in this service, we got rows. But in small groups, you get the circles. And that's where people connect. That's where ministry, that's where walls come down, where where sin is confessed, and and people pray for each other, and they encourage each other, and they hold each other accountable. and, And that is where the Spirit does a real work in the heart. And if we're not engaged at that level with the body of Christ, we're missing out. And I don't say this in any condemning way. It's not, you know, you better be to church or God's mad at you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we're shorting ourselves if we're separating ourselves from the body of Christ. God wants to work through His church. He does work through His church. That's how God works. And as crazy as it is, it's just what God has chosen to do. He's chosen to use people to reach people. He's chosen to use people to minister to people. And in the middle of all of that, He sends His Spirit to guide it, to empower it, to make it work. If I could tell you the number of times that I've had people come to me and you know, they step out a little bit in faith and they start to engage at that level with the body of Christ and God starts using them and they come back and they're like, I don't understand how this is happening. I'm not that smart. I'm not that talented. I'm not, but, but people are coming to me and they're telling me their problems. And I'm just praying for them. That's all I'm doing, but stuff's happening. And they look at me like, fix it. Why is this happening? And, and I say, that's awesome. And they're like, really? Because it's exhausting me. And I said, no, really, God is using you. And God will sustain you. Trust me, this pace won't keep up. God, he, he knows what you can handle. But you've made yourself available to God and to your brothers and sisters. And that's all God needed. That's all he needed. And he's using you. Be grateful. And just keep being faithful. Sometimes a prayer and a kind word is all a person needs to hear. And, and I mean that. They don't need a sermon. They, they don't need a, a Bible study at that moment. They just need to know that someone cares. And you know what? With the love of Christ inside of us, we should be those people. We should be the ones that are like, hey, we can do this. We can, we can reach out. We can help in this situation. And so... As I said, Paul doesn't name these people that he's sending other than Titus, but they already know Titus. 
But how does he describe them? I, I love this. In 2 Corinthians 8, 23, he says, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. I don't know about you, but that's some high praise from the Apostle Paul. When the Apostle Paul says, your ministry, you are the glory of Christ. Like, you are, you are getting it done. People are coming to know the truth because of you. Lives are being transformed through your ministry. Like, he doesn't name them, but he tells them they're the glory of Christ. Because that's what the body of Christ does. God works through the church. And you are the church, not the building. This is a building that houses the church. You are the church. And God wants to work through you in amazing ways. And I think there's another principle kind of at work here. Not only do we not grow alone, not only does God work through his church, but I think Paul's also, he he closes out this section by saying, you know, show proof. He says, give proof. And the idea is, I think he's saying, don't make me look bad. I've bragged about you. Now live up to it. And I think there's a call here for us to honor those who have helped us. Honor those who have helped you. Who in here has ever had that person in your life that to disappoint them, just the thought of disappointing them, like you're like, mm, no, nope, nope, don't, would not want to upset that person. I just, they mean too much, not because you're scared of them, but the idea of dishonoring them, you're like, oh, no, 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 that person, they are way too important to me. I would never want to disappoint them in, by dishonoring them. They did too much to help me in life that I would never, you know, kind of take it lightly. I think that's what Paul is kind of challenging them to do in a way when he says, give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. He just told them, he says, don't make me look bad. He says, you... I've, I've bragged about you to these guys that are the glory of Christ. They, they, these messengers are faithful, and I have bragged about you to them. Live up to it. Now, is Paul wrong for doing that? Is that an unfair pressure? I don't think so. I think it is that coach saying, I know you can do it, and I'm calling it out of you. I know you have this in you. I know it's possible, so do it. Now, Paul has said over and over how much he loves them and that, you know, he's got joy in them and that he brags about it. I mean, he loves the Corinthians. But there's kind of this moment happening where he's calling them to step out in faith that decisions have to be made. Are we going to follow in faith or are we going to keep kind of messing around with what we're messing around with? And he's calling them forward. And he's doing it in love. He's doing it in a sense that It's to honor him, but it's also to honor God. And I want to challenge you today to do the same thing in your life. You know, I started this sermon with a list of people that, you know, only my family knows. (laughs) Uh, I want to honor them. Some of them were family. Some were 
professors in school. Some were just friends that I made along the way. Some were in churches that I served in. And the impact that they had on me, I'll never forget. And you know, it's not that they just taught a great Bible study. And this is what I want you to really grab onto. Sometimes we, we kind of focus too much in spiritual growth on theology. You know, who really gets God? Who, who really, you know what? Hospitality is just as important. Don't, don't undersell your gifts and what God can do through you. Because there may be a person that, man, they've attended 500 wonderful Bible studies, but they don't have a friend. And they don't need another Bible study. They need a friend. And they're tired of going to Bible studies because they're not making friends at them. <laughs> and they go and they're studying. And they're like, I know that this is what it means. I know that. I get it. But just, does somebody want to get coffee and hang out? Don't underestimate that. It matters. Because there are some in that list that, man, they, they unlocked Scripture for me in a way that you all are benefiting from. And I mean that. Like, God put them in my life to, like, here, you need to learn how to read this. You need to learn how to study it. And they challenged me, and I made bad grades in their class, but I learned. <laughs> and, and, they, and they connected with me personally. I was part of it, too. I was able to see both their intellect and their heart at the same time, and, and it was amazing. But you know what? There are other people that in that list, we drank coffee every week. That's what we did. In a, in a difficult season of life, they showed up and were like, hey, I'm here for you. And they knew it was tough. And they invested. And they said, look, let me bear a burden with you. They didn't try to teach me. They didn't try to lecture me. They didn't try to, you know, be dismissive of my pain or my struggle. They were just like, I'm there. Let me sit with you through this. And they taught me just as much as those advanced theologians did about the love and the grace of God. We all have a role to play. And so I want to challenge you this week. Those who instructed you, modeled Christ's likeness to you, loved you as Christ loved them, taught you hospitality, taught you, I mean, just had that impact in your life. If you are able, reach out to them this week and let them know the impact they had. I, I challenge you, make that list like I did at the beginning. Now, there may be some that have gone on to heaven, and, and you know what, just pray God and thank him. I'm pretty sure they'll get the message. Because Galatians 6.6 6 tells us this. But the one who was taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. There may be people in your life that have no idea the impact they had on you. Don't let that happen. Make sure they know. If they helped you, if they drew you closer to Christ, if they showed you what grace and love were about, if they helped you, I challenge you this week to reach out to them and just let them know. It doesn't have to be some huge explanation or whatever. Just, you, you can even blame me. Hey, my pastor told me to do this this week, and you're on my list. So I wanted to call and let you know you made a difference. You were the body of Christ to me. And I just want to say, well done.
you have no idea what that could mean to somebody in their life right now to hear that they made a difference for you. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you, and Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to learn from the examples around us, God. That we wouldn't look for any one person to, to be Jesus to us, that our faith would be in Christ alone, but God, that we would learn from those who are walking the path with us. That we would learn from those who are maybe a, just a couple miles further down the road than us. They've walked the same path. They're walking the same path. But God, maybe they've just experienced it a bit longer. God, help us to be able to look, look back and, and help those that maybe we're down the path a little further from. That we could minister to them. And God, that we could be the example that helps somebody else. God, that we would be committed members of the body of Christ. Ministering and being ministered to in ways that glorify you. Father, help us to learn from the examples you put in our lives. God, it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.